Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show on 1061 ESPN. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King. Welcome to Wednesday, the midweek edition of the Sports King Show, brought to you by Coastal Carolina University, proud sponsor of the Sports King Show from the very beginning. We love the Chanticleers, and we thank them for supporting our show and, of course, the Joe Mowgli Report, heard here each and every week with the former head coach of, of course, Coastal Carolina, the uh, Hall of Famer himself, Joe Mowgli, who just had the soccer stadium and the football stadium at Fordham Named after him. Amazing for Joe Mowgli and his family. And congratulations again to the one and only Joe Mowgli. As we join you on this Wednesday, October 25th, have a lot to get to. The National League has a champion. Not a champion we saw coming, but one that never went away. One that, of course, gets it done last night in Philadelphia. We'll recap that and a lot more. Of course, uh, LeBron and company open up last night in Denver. It wasn't good for the Lake Show. It was for the Nuggets, who, of course, did what they do. They win, and they do it impressively, and they look like they haven't missed a beat. Uh, LeBron only played 29 minutes. We'll talk about that load management situation and much more. Uh, A lot going on in the world of sports. We're going to preview some college football today for you and more. As we kick off this Wednesday morning, whether you're having your first cup of coffee or driving into work, we thank you for tuning in and joining us. And you know what happens each and every morning. I turn it over to that man that you love, South Beach Rob, the Old Dominion graduate himself with the top three stories of the day. Here he is. Good morning, Sports King listeners. Time for the Sports King headlines live from the Richmond Sports Desk. And as you alluded to, Jamie, the Arizona Diamondbacks... The 84 win, negative run differential, underdog at all turns, Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. They took down the Phillies 4-2, winning the final two games in Philadelphia after getting pretty much shellacked there in Game 2 before heading to Arizona. In fact, they were down 
late in the game of game three. So this was really a comeback here for the Diamondbacks. Down 2-0 in the series, down in game three, and they overcame a lot of odds. This is their first World Series since 2001 when they did win. Remember, this was an expansion team. So for the Diamondbacks, Jamie, this is just another great underdog story. And this is the second straight year the National League will be represented by the final team to make the playoffs for that side. I think that's just a really cool thing because last year the Phillies were that team. So just another example of the scariest thing in baseball is a team that gets hot. And the Phillies kind of were that team, but we expected them a little bit. They've done it a couple years now. Now there's an even more of an underdog than Philadelphia, and that was Arizona. So um, hats off to the Diamondbacks, their second World Series since 2001. I know it's not exactly what the networks probably wanted. I think they were <laughs> hoping for Phillies-Astros a, a rematch, but I think this will be a very fun matchup. It'll be a fun matchup, and if you love underdogs, if you love teams that aren't in the normal rotation that you always see, like the Dodgers and the Braves and those type of teams that you get all the headlines, as the Diamondbacks and some of their players talked about, you know, everybody uh, counted them out. Nobody outside the locker room and the fans of the Diamondbacks gave them a chance, and they proved everybody wrong. And they defeated the Philadelphia Phillies, which has to be a major disappointment for them in Philadelphia. Of course, football is going great. They were hoping for a banner for the Phillies in terms of a world title. That's not going to happen now. We'll talk about what happened. But if you look at the 0 for 21 with Schwarber, Turner, and Harper, uh, you know, the top part of that lineup that had to come through did not. Was it so much the hitting of the Phillies that didn't come through or the outstanding pitching of the Diamondbacks? I think more the pitching of the Diamondbacks. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit as the Diamondbacks advance by a score of 4 to 2. Rangers and Diamondbacks and Networks didn't want this. It probably won't be the highest rated ever. It will be one of those ones that people will watch. But unless you're a Diamondbacks fan, a Ranger fan, I don't think it's going to draw the major ratings. But these guys don't care. They're happy to be there, and they'll give everything they have. Story number two. Story number two. Another thing that you alluded to, Jamie. Darvin Ham says LeBron James' 29 minutes was in line with the Lakers' plan. LeBron James opened up his 21st season being limited to those 29 minutes in a loss to the Nuggets, 119-107. Darvin Ham said the tampered workout was the team's plan moving forward. It's easy for him to get caught up in the emotion of the game, and you tend to forget you want to play in these long stretches. But in order for him to be as effective as possible, we have to be mindful of the minute output and how long his stretches are, Ham said. The Nuggets led by as many as 18 jumping on L.A. in the opening quarter and riding the energy provided by a ruckus ball arena to celebrate the first ring night in franchise history. By the time the crowd was chanting, quote, who's your daddy to mock the Lakers in the final minute, James was already done for the night, pulled for L.A., trailing 115-103. to Now, I know everyone loves to bring up load management in the NBA, and clearly it is a problem, but it's not a problem with LeBron James. He's in his 21st season, and 21st season is not a saying the whole thing. We know he at one point went to eight straight NBA finals, so you can add on a couple more seasons with that. LeBron James played a lot of minutes, and in order for him to be effective when it really matters in the playoffs, what the Lakers are trying to contend for a championship— the Lakers need to do this, Jamie, I believe. 
because if they don't have LeBron James healthy, what's the point of even making the playoffs or what's the point of having a high seed? They'll need LeBron James when it really matters. And at his age, with the tread on those tires, which is all time, some of the most tread that's ever been on an NBA tire, I think he needs to manage his minutes. And I know they want to get wins like this. I know this game is important to them. But game one is not as important as the playoffs. Absolutely. Let me say this unequivocally here on the Sports King Show. I've said it before, I'll say it again. With all respect to Joel Embiid, who is an outstanding player, uh, leader for the Sixers, folks, the best player on the planet, the best player in the NBA is Nicole Jokic. He played 36 minutes, 12 of 22. Folks, you don't have to even look at the stat sheet, which I knew before I'd opened it up. Uh, of course, he had 13 rebounds, 11 assists, and oh, by the way, 29 points. Every single night, it's almost rinse and repeat. Uh, second verse, same as the first. I mean, this guy is spectacular. He doesn't do it flamboyantly. He doesn't do it uh, over the top. He's very matter-of-fact, very blue-collarish in the way he approaches it. He just does it, 34 minutes. And when you're done, he just he should be wearing a surgical mask and surgical outfit out there because he just slices people up. And then you're like, wait a minute, how did he do that? But look at the stat sheet, and you're like, he did it again and again and again every single night. When he doesn't get a triple-double, you're more shocked than anything because that's what he does, Mr. Triple-Double. Dare I say the best player in the league, 119-107. They get the rings, they get the banner, and, of course, Jokic puts a stamp on the championship last night with a big win at home, 119-107. There is a passing of the torch, folks, in case you haven't noticed. It all goes through Denver right now. If they stay healthy, I see no reason they can't repeat. They have the talent to do so. Now we'll see how things develop with these other teams. But the Nuggets, once again, look to be the premier team in the NBA. Story number three. Story number three, a story a little bit closer to home. Last night, Liberty defeated Western Kentucky 42-29 to in yet another Tuesday game for the Flames. Now, this Tuesday game wasn't just any game. They clinched, with that 8-0 record, a spot in the Conference USA Championship. 8-0 right now, with a couple games remaining. Their remaining schedule is Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion, Massachusetts, and UTEP. And according to ESPN, they have over an 80% chance to win all four of those games. So... You're keeping track. That would put them at 12-0, and and you would think somewhat somewhere in the running, possibly, if things broke the right way for that group of five spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. But, Jamie, I think we do have to talk about your guy, Jamie Chadwell, someone who was at Coastal Carolina for a couple of years. I know it has not been a murderer's row schedule. Many people will point that out. But still, Liberty, similar to JMU, has transitioned to the FBS in such an excellent way. And in their first year in Conference USA, they are already going to be one of the two representatives in the championship. So hats off to the Flames. Congratulations to the Flames. They continue to roll. They're just a very efficient program, and they have a real shot at 12-0. Hopefully my Monarchs can deny that, but they have a real <laughs> shot at 12-0. Well, folks, here's the deal. I, I'm unapologetically a huge fan of Jamie Chadwell. I know Jamie. I pull for him. And, uh, of course, what he did at Coastal was great. What he's doing at Liberty is super special. This is year one, folks. Year one, as Rob just said, he has a chance to run the table, potentially go 12-0, and and they deserve to be in a bowl game. And beyond that, they've got a quarterback in Kadon Salter who is super talented. You have to have a trigger, man. They do. They have a lot of talent on this team. 
but they are extremely well coached. They don't beat themselves. They do great things with the football. They know their offense, which he is a great tactician of that offensive structure. And defensively, they play very solid defense. This team is a talented group. And if you play them in a bowl game, you better come prepared because before you even look, I mean, they're on the board, and they've got the talent to beat top teams. Jamie Chadwell, write this down, within three to five years, will be at a Power 5 conference team, and he will win a national championship. You heard it here on October 25th, this Wednesday of 2023. Jamie Chadwell, one day you're sitting in your Barca lounger with chips and a drink as he's hoisting that national title at a Power 5, you'll say, Man, a sports game, he said that was going to happen. Well, folks, when you watch progression in terms of coaching, you see certain guys that have the it factor. He's got the it factor. He had it at Coastal. He's got it at Liberty. He's going to have it at the next level. When he gets at the Power Five, and he will, he'll have all the resources needed. And when he gets the talent combined with his great coaching, it will result in a national title. He will be one of the names. And who knows, down the road, maybe he takes a run at the NFL. The guy can coach, flat-out coach, 8-0 in his first year and with a chance to, of course, go 12-0. Congratulations to Jamie Chadwell and the Liberty Flames, who are really doing great things. The other team, Rob, that we haven't really had a chance to talk a ton about, of course, uh, in Harrisonburg, James Madison Dukes, they have played great this year. Old Dominion, of course, your team, a lot of great football. And then you see what happened last week with the Virginia Cavaliers with that win. And the only worry with the Cavaliers that I've talked about is Tony Elliott needed a signature win. He got it. Huge win to knock off North Carolina. All the credit in the world. Tony Musket at quarterback. To, if you'd have told me they would go in and financially, from a wagering standpoint, beat Drake May and North Carolina in their own backyard, I would have looked at you like you had three heads. But they did it. The only question with North, with a Virginia team is can they uh, – can he do it again and again? Can he replicate their success? And my worry is you get so high and mighty after that one win, you almost exhale and say, well, we did it. And then if you rest on those laurels, it's not going to happen again, and you regress and you fall back down and you end up with that three, four win type season. They have to build on this. They have the talent in some spots, of course. They're not across the board as talented as most D1 teams, but they have the ability on any night to come out and play really well and at least keep themselves in games. And I think fans right now of UVA want that competitive balance to where you say, hey, we've got a chance this week, because you saw what they can do. The problem is they haven't done it, and that is a combination of coaching and bad plays and bad play calling and, and timely things happening. But this team has been underachieving, and now they finally got it right one big weekend, and they celebrated. They partied like it was, uh, you know, unbelievable. They should have because they deserve it. But my big worry is, do they come crashing back to earth and play average to below average football? Do they rise and say, this is what we can do, this is what we should do? Rob, how do you view this Cavalier team? Uh, dichotomy to me, I, I just can't wrap my head around what they're doing, and they confuse me, frustrate me. I know UVA fans feel the same way. When will they get off the merry-go-round and start playing consistent football? Consistency, I think, is a big thing in uh, Charlottesville they want but have not received. Your thoughts? Yeah, so let's start with some bad news for the Cavaliers. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is set to return against Virginia, so – a guy who is looking to be, be taken off the draft board uh, later next year, the quarterback from Miami will be returning. So it's going to be another tall task, another professional 
very highly touted quarterback that they're going to be taking on, our future professional, I should say. So with uh, with Virginia, I, I know they got blown out by Tennessee and Maryland, the two best teams they played. But outside of that, they lost by one to James Madison, three to NC State, three to Boston College. They beat William Mary, and they beat North Carolina. So there have been signs of improvement. This hasn't been a team that's just been getting blown out in every loss and just hasn't won a game yet. Now they have won two. Now they've only won one game over an FBS team. You can only take an FCS win with so much of a grain of salt. So for Virginia, I I would love to say they're going to keep it going. I would, and I hope they do. I I always root for all the schools here. Obviously, my heart is number one with Old Dominion, but I root for all these schools when they're not playing Old Dominion. So for Virginia, it's just so tough. We've seen it so many times. It's just it's just human nature. It is human nature. These are young men. They're exciting. They have been through a lot in the last year. What went down last year in November, we, we all know about it. The entire nation knows about that tragedy, and they still carry that with them. And to get that get breakthrough on Saturday night in Carolina against a rival, against a top-10 team, that was starting to think playoffs against a quarterback that was thinking Heisman. They broke through and they pulled an upset. They went in there and stopped the party in North Carolina, and that was amazing. Now, if they can parlay that and turn it into a win over Miami, then all of a sudden you might think this team is turning a corner. But I just I can't pick them to win this one. I don't expect them to. It's unfortunate. And it's not just Virginia that would do this. Uh, just about any team in their situation, an unranked team being a ranked team, they usually lose the next week. It's just how it works. You have to be one of these upper echelon teams to be able to handle it. I mean, hell, we just saw Louisville. They beat Notre Dame. The next week, they laid an egg against Pittsburgh, and Louisville's a much better team than Virginia. It's just human nature with some of these teams that aren't quite ready for it. And these are college kids. They're young. They're excited. So... I hope the best. I hope they can win this one, but it's just the human nature element of it. I just expect them to fall to Miami, who is a good team, let's be honest. Despite that awful loss of Georgia Tech, Miami is a talented team. Let me ask you, the state of our state schools, uh, you know, you got Virginia Tech and nothing against Brent Pry and what he's done, uh, but you look at their record at 3-4, and four, you look at UVA at 2-5, and five, no great shakes, and I know they're in a very tough conference, but... Uh, right now, uh, who are you more disappointed about? Uh, Brent Pry, maybe a nice guy, maybe a very good defensive coach. But, folks, I, I'm not seeing it. Uh, fans of Blacksburg, and I know you're saying, well, you know, it's going to take time. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. You know, uh, I'm not seeing it. And maybe it's a lack of players, lack of recruiting. I don't – I can't put my finger on it, but they're three and four. Uh, they are a team that, to me – uh, has some players not super talented uh, all the way across the board. A conference record awful. Uh, Virginia, of course, with the big win, they've won two straight. They're two and five. Uh, do you see a lot of hope here on either side? It seems to me like very below average teams that can't seem to get a grip on it, Rob. Who do you give an edge to as to who's playing better? Or who do you see any upside with? Because right now uh, they're non factors. Well, yeah, we, we know where the real upside is in the state, but um, with Virginia Tech and Virginia, I'd probably lean towards Virginia Tech. It has not been a great season. Clearly it's not. But despite that, they are 2-1 in the conference. They have won two out of three. They have some tough losses. They really do. A tough loss to Purdue and Marshall, each by a score. But I said it this season when they started with Old Dominion, we were going to learn a lot about them in this game. Obviously, I believe the Monarchs can beat the Virginia Tech Hokies anytime they go out there. 
But Virginia Tech is a more talented team. They are a more progressed program. There's no denying that. And they didn't mess around. It was close for a while, but they ultimately dispatched to the Monarchs. They beat a Pitt team that they're better than them. They beat Wake Forest, a team that they are better than. They are showing some signs that they didn't show last year. So there is some progress. Now, is it enough progress? We'll have to see. I think they need to make a bowl game this season. I think they need to get to six wins to keep Brent Price safe because... Look, let's just be honest. Justin Fuente, he is pretty famous for how bad of a coaching job he did, how bad a recruiting job. He set that program back a few years. Virginia doesn't have that. They had a pretty solid coach in Mendenhall before Elliott. So I look at Virginia Tech. They had been set back a bit. Brent Pry was well behind the eight ball. They had lost to Liberty. They had lost to Old Dominion. They were losing in the state. They had even lost to Virginia. They never lose to Virginia. So bad things had happened under Justin Fuente. So I, th- I would lean towards Virginia Tech, and I think Virginia had a great moment this past weekend, but I don't know that it's something that they're going to really build off of. But again, like I said, Virginia hasn't been getting blown out. They've been showing signs, but I would lean towards Virginia Tech because, Jamie, when you look at their schedule, they have Syracuse, Boston College, and NC State, three very winnable games. And if they can string an upset over Louisville, they have four winnable games to get to that bowl eligibility. And then we know when they take on Virginia, they have won 16 of the past 17. So they have a chance for six, seven, or if they pull an upset, eight wins. So we'll see how it finishes, but I would lean towards Virginia Tech. And, folks, here's the deal. We haven't talked about the Hokies or the Cavaliers outside of that uh, blip on the radar last week, which was a huge win for the Cavaliers. We know that. But the team's taking up all the oxygen, and rightfully so. The James Madison Dukes, folks, 4-0 in conference, 7-0 overall. They're undefeated at home. They're undefeated away. They've won seven straight, much like Liberty. James Madison, Liberty. And when the coaches from those two teams go into living rooms, they're pulling away players from the Virginia Techs and the Virginias because they're saying, hey, look where you're going to be there, and look where you are here. We're playing for championships, and they're trying to play usually for respectability at best. So something's got to change in terms of getting top talent because James Madison and Liberty are both doing that now, and they're having great results. So uh, you wonder about those coaches from both of those uh, squads, if they're going to get looks, and they should, as we mentioned earlier, get some real looks so they keep winning the way they are. Let's go to some college football. Of course, tomorrow going to be off uh, Big Al, and, uh, of course, Robert Ole going to be on location. So we want to get some college winners in for you. And uh, last night, just uh, before we get to baseball in our next segment, of course, the Diamondbacks advanced to the World Series. Uh, we gave you that winner as well. We told you the Diamondbacks would play, we felt, looser baseball. They went in and got it done and won 4-2 to two, advancing to the World Series. So let's get up to Saturday. Uh, top 25 action will go to Allegiancy Federal Credit Union Stadium, Winston-Salem, Florida State, 7-0, 5-0, taking on Wake Forest 4-3, and pesky Wake Forest. FSU favored by 20 and a half, over under 51 and a half. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, so usually under Dave Clawson, uh, former Richmond coach, they get the quarterback right here, but it's just not been a great offensive year for Wake Forest. As you said, still pesky, but it's just been a tough year for them. They're coming off a game in which they did not score an offensive touchdown against Virginia Tech. So I'm going to take Florida State. I think a lot of people aren't sure about them, but I am sure about them in this game. I think they'll win this one going away. I like it. Uh, Florida State give the 20 and a half. I think they win. Uh, but the only worry is, will they be inspired to play or will they sleepwalk through it? We'll see that. 
Number six, Oklahoma, quietly undefeated, 7-0, 4-0. A lot of people looking at them, watching them, wondering, taking on Kansas. I think this is a real trouble spot. Uh, OU favored by 10. Not saying that Kansas will win, but I'm saying Kansas could win and throw a scare in them. Oklahoma should handle their business. Hopefully they will. Boomer Sooner here, or do you like the Jayhawks at home? Yeah, Boomer Sooner to win. I like Kansas to cover in this one. I think Oklahoma has shown some serious improvement under Brent Venables on defense, so I don't worry about them too much in a shootout because they finally made a couple adjustments in off on offense. Kansas can score a lot, but they cannot stop, stop Oklahoma, and I think Oklahoma has the ability now to stop Kansas a time or two. Uh, next up, Indiana-Penn State playing at Beaver Stadium. Penn State, after that horrible loss last week, uh, Drew Aller came in. I don't didn't impress me at all. Uh, six and one now, three and one. Penn State. James Franklin can't win the big one, and they're favored by thirty-two. Give me Indiana in the thirty-two. I think there's going to be a major letdown after what just slipped through their fingers. I'll take Indiana in the thirty-two. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I'll go with Indiana in the thirty-two. I think Penn State. That's just it's an annual thing with them, and it's not a worse place in the world to be. They'll probably maybe end up in a New Year's Six bowl game if they're lucky, but they just cannot beat Michigan-Ohio State. That's a problem a lot of teams in the country have, but for a team that plays them so often, it's really tough, and I think it's going to linger a little bit. They'll win this one by double digits, probably going away, but not by 33. Georgia Bulldogs at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida, taking on the Gators 5-2, and 3-1. and one. This could be that signature win for Florida. Gators favored by 14 and a half. Uh, looks like it could be the Gators' day again against Florida. But if Florida rises up before a sold-out crowd in the swamp, do you give them a chance? Yeah, I think they have a chance. Um, the world's largest cocktail party down there in Jacksonville, obviously, <laughs> got to be at a neutral site now because of how aggressive some of their fans are. But um, this is always a pretty fun game. Georgia's obviously rolled a couple of times, but... I, I've said this, rivalry games, funky things happen, weird things can happen, and the team that's not ranked can all of a sudden be in a game against Georgia. I think that's how it's going to go. I think Florida is going to cover that 14.5. I think they're going to give Georgia a scare, but I think Georgia ultimately, the much more talented team, the better team does win. But I think just the fact that Florida is improving and the fact it's just a rivalry game and you have to throw records out the window to an extent because Georgia is a very good team. So I think Georgia wins, but I think Florida throws a real scare and covers. Georgia by seven, but as he said, I think Florida covers in this one. BYU at Texas, Darrell Royal Stadium in Austin. Texas 6-1, and 3-1, and one, no Quinn Ewers, Texas by 17.5. Give me BYU with a backdoor cover here. Over-under, not sure about, but I don't think Texas is going to get it done as easily as they think with a backup quarterback. What say you, Rob? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is give me a reason why I should pick Texas to cover a nice-sized line. They, yeah. they seem to mess around in these games. They can look so impressive. They, they can go to Alabama and push Alabama around and then struggle with Houston or struggle with UCF, BYU, or Wyoming. They can be tied at the half with Wyoming at home. So this Texas team, you do not know we're going to get out of them. Obviously, they're still 6-1, and one, well in the Big 12 race, well in the playoff race if they are to get to the title game and beat Oklahoma there. So I think they win this one, but I just don't trust this team to cover and be mature enough to take care of business. The game of the weekend on the college side to me is at 3.30, Oregon, number 8 at Utah, number 13, Rice-Eccles, a place where dreams go to die. This place is a tough place to win. Utah 6-1, and one, Oregon 6-1. and one. Cameron Rising, 
Is he waiting until next year? We've heard so many things about this guy. I love Cameron Rising. We just don't know. Every week it's something different. He's on the sidelines of street clothes. Will he appear? Will he not appear? It looks more and more like he'll take another medical year and come back next year for his 10th year, I think, in Utah. Just kidding. Uh, Bo Nix and company on the road with their high-speed offense. Oregon favored by 6.5. I can't, for any way, shape, or form, overlook this Cal Winningham defense. I think an underplay could be in play. Not going to go there, but I think uh, somehow Utah keeps it close to the final. This is a field goal game to me. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think Utah pulls an upset here. And, Jamie, this is one that kind of went under the radar late in the night on Saturday. We learned that Cameron Risen will not suit up again this year, so he is done again this year. Who knows exactly what his future is, but this Utah team plays such a tough style. I thought it was funny. Someone said USC was going to get right. You don't get right against Utah. That is one of the tougher right. teams. It's it's It doesn't feel like a Pac-12 team. They play such a physical style, unlike much of the rest of the conference. So I'm going to take Utah to upset Oregon here. I think Oregon is the better team. They have the better quarterback. They should probably win this one. But I just have a feeling Utah wins this one. Oregon has a tendency to disappoint a bit in these spots. Next up, Ralph Faulkner's Notre Dame fighting Irish. I wonder if Galen and Ralph will be in Notre Dame Stadium this week. It could it could happen. Uh, number 14, Notre Dame against Pittsburgh. Notre Dame 6-2. and two. Ralph gets salty when I talk about Notre Dame winning. He doesn't want me to jinx him, but... Here at home at Notre Dame Stadium, favored by 20 over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is, to me, just awful this year. They're 2-5, and five, always testy, always physical. Uh, give me Notre Dame in a close one early. I think they pull away and cover the 20. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'll go right in line with you on that one. Pittsburgh coming off a big win over uh, rival Louisville, so I got Notre Dame winning as Pittsburgh comes back down to earth. Uh, very quickly, Tulane number 22, 6-1, 3-0 in the American against Rice. Rice playing much better. Tulane favored by 11. I'll take Rice with a cover here. I love Tulane to win, but I like Rice to cover. Yeah, I like Tulane to win. I've, I've, I've learned not to take them to cover in some of these spots, but I do think they win. Did you get that covered rice? Anyway, uh, USC against California, four o'clock. Uh, Caleb Williams and company out of the out of the Heisman race, out of the national championship race. It looks like USC favored by eleven. California three and four, one and three. Always physical. Your thoughts? I'll take USC to win this one. Caleb Williams has a big game, but like you said, the shine is off uh, USC. We learned they were a lot of flash, not a lot of substance, and. It's just another game in college football now. All right, Rob, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and give some more winners out on this Winners Wednesday, and then we'll talk about that Major League Baseball thriller if you are a Diamondbacks fan as they advance to the World Series and get Rob's thoughts on who's going to win the World Series when we return to the Wednesday edition of Sports Game. To a CAA newbie, the Fighting Campbells of Campbell University. Our coverage begins Saturday afternoon at 3, here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders, 1061 ESPN. Looking for a 